0: Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman-Hughes. Okay, picking up the Batphone this week is none other than my long-time friend, highly requested, one of the best beards in jujitsu, Dan Dwyer. How are you this morning, man? I'm good, Nick. Thank you for having me. Everyone wanted you on.
1: <laughs> so you had to have me. You're like
0: great. the enigma of the jiu-jitsu scene <laughs> in South Australia. Well, yeah, I tried. Yeah, well you try pretty well. You do you do very well for your trying. Um, but, well you know, I have to put you over, you know, like obviously we've known each other for a very long time, but uh, I've seen your your passion for jujitsu begin and progress and it's never stopped. You know what I mean? You are now the co-founder of Grapple Apparel, the co-founder of Grapple Sport, which is a competitive tournament and the sole founder of From Bully to Blackwell, which is a youth organization. Uh, along with that, you've legitimately traveled the world <laughs> to yeah. do jujitsu, like legitimately traveled the world specifically for the purpose of training in jiu-jitsu. And I think throughout that process, you've really learned what a good gym culture is and could be, and you've brought those lessons back to Trinity MMA. So when you chose to come back to South Australia and start training with me, that was a great honor to me and you know that's that's happened a few times now where it sort of struck me when people have come t- back to jiu-jitsu to train with me uh, because they felt like they had a home there and they felt like they have a connection there and that is a great compliment to me it's a great it's a great compliment to the community that we've built uh, at least up until that point but you've now been an integral part of building the next part of the community because you do have that grounding in what a good gym culture can be and you're now involved in spearheading our Youth and Juniors program in conjunction with Avery Clements and William Pan and Matt Budd. Uh, you take privates uh, with adults, you take privates with anyone, you really go in on helping out these people with the details of their jiu-jitsu. If they reach out to you for your expertise, you always reach back. Uh, and you're taking regular classes as well. So no matter what it is, you know, whether it's apparel, whether it's competitions, whether it's charity organizations, whether it's youth. Programs, whether it's juniors' programs, whether it's adult programs, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for jujitsu, and you're doing it for the betterment of the people around you. And I think it's worth, you know, I love having the the podcast to do that, but I think it's worth being able to state in front of someone the some of their experiences from the perspective of a, another person. So. I'm very proud of you and I would have to congratulate you on all of your endeavors and what you've been able to achieve. It's been fantastic having you back at the academy, you know, as a rolling partner and, and as a friend. So let's do it, man. Let's go back. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's go. Please. Yeah. Take me back to where the passion began and what was the inception for you into your Jiu-Jitsu? Sure. So um, I was a
1: big uh, pro wrestler fan, like yourself, yeah. growing up. Um was a big um, WWE fan and um eventually uh started having an interest of doing something other than the gym and uh I was staying uh with a family when I um returned from living in Melbourne for a bit and one of the guys was like oh I do you want to watch uh UFC and I was like oh what is what's this what is this and he's like oh yeah you know it's sort of like like Kickboxing and like wrestling, I was like, Oh, yeah, cool. You know, I just imagine like you know, sort of like a cage match or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's gonna 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 climb over the top, Jeff Hardy's gonna want some bomb back into the middle through a table, of course. Um, And ironically enough, uh, Brock Lesnar was on the card, so I was like, Oh, damn, like, yeah, I was like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna drop some Brock Lesnar WWE (laughs) knowledge now. I was like, Is Paul Heyman in his corner? (laughs) Absolutely no clue. Um, so sure enough, I watched that card, and um, it was, uh, I think that one was actually Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin, and oh, okay. he finished him with a head and arm triangle yeah. choke, and I was like, judging from that promo, uh, Brock Lesnar was going to get knocked out, because mm. Shane Carwin has these, like, lunchbox hands, he was knocking everyone out, and I was just completely in awe, and I remember going to the gym the next day, and I was just going kind of like, an anytime fitness, and I was, like, running, and, like, went in the sauna, and there was this guy there, and he's like, did you watch the UFC on the weekend, I was, like, Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I did. This is my like first ever one. He's like, yeah, you know, I've been doing like, jujitsu, jitsu and I, I want to, you know, do a fight. And I was like, oh, where do you where do you train at? And he was like, oh, you know, I train at um, uh, SABJJ. And I was like, that, that's cool. Uh, tell me what about it. And he started going into details and I... Who uh, was it? I, I, I literally... Surely don't, you know. I, I, no, I <laughs> literally don't. So, like, within that week, I went back and I don't think I ever saw that guy again. But it was just Scott Gable. <laughs> <It> was just <laughs> Scott <laughs> Gable had a six pack. He was just was talking chapped. shit Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I went home and, like, I started... Uh, Try to find more DVDs to watch. So I watched a couple of other UFCs and I was like, you know what? Like, I really like this jiu-jitsu stuff. Um, I thought I was ridiculously pretty at the time, so I didn't want to get punched in the face. And you I, thought you were
0: ridiculously I still think pretty.
1: I'm ridiculously pretty and I still don't want to get punched in the face. So that's where I was at. Uh, I, I was not, not uh, sort of like, you know... To do my own horn, but I was like, "Yeah, like I'm a pretty boy, like I don't want to do this," and just the idea of getting punched in the face wasn't appealing. We are who we are. We are who we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, um, yes. I obviously was uh, quite high on my horse. Oh
0: Um, gosh. You met me in a few, you know, in a few, yeah. in a few sentences time, you meet me, so let's yeah, talk yeah. about who's been high on their yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, Um
1: So, yeah, so I think I went home that day and, uh, you know, Googled s and it was only around the corner. Uh, it was when they were at uh, Stepney, I believe. Um... No, just uh behind the coals like the, yeah yeah station station so like, that was
0: like the third or fourth home because they used to be right around the corner from me out east uh, yeah as it was well. when they um so they was, went from Marden. yep so it actually went from yeah like port rush it's, to Marden to um oh just behind the reservoir at uh it was paradise then, and newton and 2009? then they went to stepney after that 2009 yeah. i was
1: there so i think they're only there for like a small period cool. of time um but I remember uh, messaging Michael and he called me and then he was telling me a bit about it. And I was like, okay, so what? can I come into any class? He's like, come into this class. This is the one I think is best for you. So I rock up to this class and there was this like... Tiny man kick flipping outside of the gym, and funnily enough, it actually turned out to be yourself. So I was like, "Wow!" Like, I remember you trying to kick flip, and for like months, like I remember you trying to kick flip, and then one day you landed it, and you just like let out this like cry of joy. Because um, I was so <laughs>
0: shit at flip tricks, man. I still am, but I was like a ball skater. But you know, there's this there's this draw to try and be good at doing tray flips and kick flips and stuff. And I was, you know, still doing doing jiu jitsu and still playing rugby. I think at the time, and then trying to kick flip was like my part-time pursuit. <laughs> it was
1: fun because like, I remember like, rocking up and like, as we do, we go to our first lesson, um, which I'll touch more on uh, again. But like, I remember going there and coming back. And every time I came back, you were out the front, you kept trying to land it and then like you get so close and like we we're all sitting along that like wall at the front near the gate waiting for Michael to rock up and unlock and there was just one day like you landed it and you were just like it was so it was it was wonderful I still remember it it was perfect <laughs> no one cared but me no, it was literally just me observing yeah, it because yeah. I've been there for six months
0: yeah it's like the Mandela effect like in your mind there was 12 people watching yeah, like no remember, it like there was just... a
1: crowd of 50 there was like food trucks so there was like a big party <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I did my first class and um, I think I partnered up with Sean uh, and uh, weirdly enough, uh, our first lesson, it was a calf slicer. Um, so the first submission yeah. I <laughs> Your ever first lesson is a calf was sloucher. a leglock. Um, That's the first submission I ever learned as well, was a hook. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think back because like I went for so many years without doing leg locks and obviously like my first introduction was a calf slice that I wouldn't have been able to do until I was a brown boy. Mm. Um, but then it came time to rolling and I remember speaking with yourself and I think maybe Tom and Mike at the beginning of the class, like you all introduced yourself to me, so I was like, oh my god, this place is so cool, everyone's so nice. Uh, And then it came time to roll and um, I was sort of standing awkwardly like most people do at the first time and you came up to me and you're like, do you want to roll? Um, So I find it really, really strange that we're sitting in this exact moment like 10 years Yeah, almost to the day. Yeah, I think it was the 14th. So it was only a couple of days ago, like Mm -hmm. 10 years through the day almost. uh, You were my first roll. You triangled me, you guillotined me and you've continued to do that over the years um, I, th- I think it popped up on my Instagram uh, maybe 2017 or something I was, we had a photo and you were like let's roll and you literally just triangled and
0: guillotined me well that's because round. James Hunt was like oh can you, what, can you just triangle Dan for five minutes I'm like ah oh, I'll just do all these triangles
1: and I remember one specific one was like it came out of nowhere but you threw your hips longer than your entire body away <laughs> from me and you like dove and I was like far out like, this is just like ridiculous this is like my first day of over again man. it was seven years later so here we are 10 years later and still obviously still training together yeah. um you know obviously if uh we we both trained uh at SEBJJ for an extended period of time um you, you started training the mma you know you had your journeys and we came back yeah um,
0: like i we sort of diverged in the way that i went on an mma journey mm. and you went on a, like a pure jiu-jitsu journey and i think a jiu-jitsu affords you a pathway like a streamline like a train track that you can stray away from it and you can come back to it yeah. so whenever I talk to MMA guys about how their jiu-jitsu is going you know what I mean or, or they like to talk to me about how their jiu-jitsu is going and they feel like their jiu-jitsu is suffering uh, and it somewhat is because MMA grappling is so far removed from pure jiu-jitsu even the pure jiu-jitsu meta for an example but I always tell them Jiu-jitsu is going to be there for you after MMA, like Peter's out. Like, not that you won't reach a really high level in MMA, but it's not as sustainable as something as durable as jiu-jitsu is. So you might have issues with your life, issues with commitment to sport, issues with injury or illness or sickness, but jiu-jitsu is a constant. It's always there. It's always there for you to come back to uh, because we're going to dip and wane and, and reach some really big... Uh, peaks and some really low valleys but jiu-jitsu is always a great constant and the fact that every single person in the community is still sharing in that journey as well like there's acute consistency where you can be rocking up every single day it's just a phase in your life where you have the opportunity to train twice a day really get after it and really make gains and improvements and you take it really seriously and then there's long-term consistency where that acute level is not going to be available to you but you're still staying in touch with it over time and that consistency is probably more important and i think that's something that we both enjoyed the luxury of having yeah. uh, and it's also we've both enjoyed the luxury of having Jiu-jitsu as a backbone to our existence. It's given us so much, we feel the draw to give back to it, even myself being, you know, an MMA coach and practitioner. Yeah, for sure. Jiu-jitsu Thursday night is still my favorite night, you know what I mean? And comp class is my favorite functional night, you know, when I have knees and arms and, you know, and, and, and an ability to do it. But it's just the most fun that I'm going to get to have. I love wrestling, don't get me wrong, but wrestling's hard, man. You've got to be hard in the mind, to do wrestling you certainly do if you want to be a competitive competitive grappler competitive jiu-jitsu practitioner but if you are looking at it from an academy perspective the people that come into the academy all of their perspectives are valid whether they're a self-proclaimed hobbyist or a self-proclaimed competitive grappler everyone's kind of in the same boat really because you get those guys in the academy that are just propping up the competitive dudes. Alec. Yeah, Tim. yeah, that's it. Like, you know, they might not Thomas. be smashing every competition out, but they're the reasons why a lot of the guys who are winning are winning. Yeah. And, and that's and when you're one of those dudes who's competing so much, you feel that as well. Mm-hmm. You feel the give and take, you feel it. And I think to be honest with you, that's what you've been in the academy for such a long time. You've been such a contributor. You've been a pillar of contribution. And that hasn't sort of stagnated at all. It's just grown. Those tendrils have just reached out in terms of your own contribution to jiu-jitsu within our academy. So, you know, it's, it's good to have people around like that. And you've felt the benefit of people around like that as well because you've trained in a ton of different places. Tell me about your journey, your travel.
1: Yeah, so, um, I think it was 2015, like, I just got my purple belt, and, um, like, I did, like, two competitions, because I was really competition focused, as, you know, I was one of those people, um, that just, like, uh, when's the next competition, like, let's travel, let's go to Melbourne, let's go to Sydney and stuff, like, let's go to uh, Hobart or whatever, um, and... I started to get like really bored with the other aspects of my life so I was working nine-to-five I was just in that routine and of course I had jujitsu but that was what I wanted to do the most Mm. Um, and I just got this urge to travel and I started saving and I only planned to go for like three months originally but I ended up saving enough that I was able to travel for nine months so um, I went and spent a month in South Africa uh, trained at four different locations there Which was wild to see Not only Jiu Jitsu From a completely different um, culture mm. And obviously country It means nothing like Australia yeah. But also just to experience Like um, like the locals And like you know They're all like Oh my god Do you know Kit Dale? You look like Kit Dale <laughs> Like I have a beard And I'm from Australia Like literally anyone that has a beard As good as mine uh, You know it, it essentially is Kitai all into another person so. <laughs> but that always happens though I remember
0: being in Jakarta rolling because we're staying in a hotel we're in a hotel in Jakarta for 1FC yeah. with Tony right and there's one in the, in the lobby of the hotel there's a gym right an MMA gym with all this mat space so every guy and girl who are competing on the card and their teams they're just training in that space and everyone's training together and I'm rolling with people yeah. and a couple of the guys from Coconut Creek from Florida including John Lineker watching me roll with other people and of course I'm doing leg locks and I'm yeah. doing heel locks <laughs> and then you know and some of that's not super accepted still like yeah, yeah. from a traditional perspective but you know they start talking to me and they ask you know they ask me what belt I am. yeah yeah it's weird when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a black belt, and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, okay. Well, they they felt better about how the roles were going after yeah. they found out that I was a black belt. But they hear me speak, and I'm Australian, right? Yeah. So I'm a black belt from Australia who's doing heel hooks. What's yeah. the next question? Oh, do you know Craig Jones? <laughs>
1: and I'm like,
0: yeah, yeah. shit, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think
1: everyone's like that. Everyone's like,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I get it now. Like, was um, know, like my girlfriend Avery, she's obviously from America. So I was traveling over to America, and this was around the time when Craig was like really blowing up and stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm from Australia. Well, where do you live? Oh, Adelaide. Do you know Craig Jones? I was like, yeah. Like, have you ever have you ever had a match against him? I was like. Yeah, he's yeah. beat me three times. Yeah. He beat me twice in one day.
0: How's that synergy pro where everyone just comes up? To me? Oh. Like, they're like, "Oh, I also remember love that, that day bit. when yeah, you yeah. got smashed by Craig Jones four times. Like, I had to fight to the finals. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I had to fight to get to the yeah. finals. Nobody talks it. about the other matches. Like, that I had now. some really good matches. <laughs> that day. No one cares. Like, yeah. you got trounced by Craig Jones. I'm like, well, I'm not alone. You know, yeah, know yeah, what I yeah. mean?
1: But, but not, to, not to feel too bad, but so did Leandro Lowe So yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm
0: on the same. I'm on the same wavelength. That's so funny because I had that uh black belt super kane right just, really and, uh, and th- that was like a 20 minute match and i got a heel hook at the end of it and you know kane's awesome i didn't want anyone to cheer because i f- I feel bad so maybe
1: you're like asking everyone to be
0: quiet and it's just of one of those things like i feel if i understand on a certain level that they're cheering because i won but they're also someone lost in that moment so, a, so, so i don't like question. the idea that people are cheering that someone lost. <laughs> it's probably why you know another reason why i'm not a competitor now. Yeah. I just don't have that uh in me now. But after that, I was going to do one more match for AGC. Yeah. And it was gonna be against Craig Jones. Yeah. And it got announced. And when Troy uh like asked me to do it, uh he was just like, Oh, what do you feel about uh grappling with Craig Jones? I'm like, Yeah, I'll do it, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, he's gonna win. You know what I mean? But I was fun. still gonna do it, it's like, you know, it was still yeah. gonna be fun. I still Know have I don't I didn't want to cut myself off from, from opportunities and I was very waning in my yeah. motivation to compete at that point in time. I knew that I probably wasn't going to be successful, but if I had time to plan, it was going to be different. And I wanted to come in because around that time, DJ Jackson he'd had a uh, match with DJ Jackson and went yeah. to a draw and stole the <clears> shit I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> I can steal <laughs> it I can yeah. yeah, But then in the meantime, he beat Leandro, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I'm like, oh, he's probably not going to come yeah, yeah. back to Adelaide and have a fun <laughs> Match with me. It's yeah.
1: classic. Yeah, no, that yeah. was that was the that was a good time. I think it was just after. I think like it got announced after he won the trials, but then like it was like happening, but it yeah. was after we went to ADCC for the first yeah. time. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure from memory. <laughs> but classic. it's it's wild. Though. Obviously, like yeah. I mean, we get that now. And I'm sure it will happen in the future as well. You know, like, for all we know, like, Alec blows up in like five years. We go over to Jakarta or America like, oh, do you know Alec? we like, yes, yeah. he's been beating me up for the last five years. Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to
0: happen. There'll be, yeah. there'll be another person. And like, Craig is a legit phenom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think possibly still aspects of what he does are underrated. Like, uh, you know, yes, he is a natural talent, but he places himself at his own detriment, places himself in rooms where he's not the best and then rises to the top every single time you put him in a new room. He did it at Absolute St. Kilda. You know, he was getting hammered a little bit by Kit Dale and by Lachlan. Mm-hmm. And then boom, you know, within a year, he's at the top of the food, yeah. food chain. He's doing it. He did it in the blue basement as well. You know, got hammered by all those guys. And now they look at him like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a legitimate contender. And, you know, for a time there within... Within a six to twelve month time period, he was really known as the you know one of the top five, if not top three, if not top two in the world.
1: And it's crazy to think that like back in the day, like I remember you know like being a white belt and blue belt and seeing Mm -hmm. them have matches with like Tom Crosby, Mm -hmm. just great black belt. Congrats, Tom! Um, (laughs) And like matches with like Mike Turner and stuff. Like obviously the synergy matches with you. You know I had matches that meant like. um, Uh, in Adelaide and in Melbourne one of those troops over there Um, but it's obviously great to see not only Australian Jiu-Jitsu growing um, but like people from you know just that small town in Adelaide like it's great that being here and we have someone that represents Australia like obviously he's over in Melbourne and obviously he's you know representing um, St. Kilda Absolute Um, but it's you know it's great to see people even Adam Adam Jones uh, obviously went over to the UK and obviously um, you know we have other competitors like Isaac and you know Mm -hmm. Declan obviously so it's great that we have that Jiu-Jitsu here where we don't need to move to like Sydney or the main cities like Melbourne and stuff like obviously they've got great jiu-jitsu and you know I think over the last couple of years the level of jiu-jitsu and the more gyms that have opened up as well starting to we're starting to become one of the hubs in Australia for like good jiu-jitsu tournaments we've got AGC Invitational where we get people from all states coming over to compete at different weight classes Um, you know at at the moment COVID's sort of like uh, preventing um James and I from running Grapple Sport. Yeah. We had like we had Jake Matthews coming yeah. over to face Lachlan Conway. You had some
0: brilliant matches. Uh,
1: as soon as COVID. So for those that are wondering, Grapple Sport will go ahead. We are <laughs> just waiting for the capacity. Um, we need a 300 capacity to run the show the way that we want to. Because we want to run it for the athletes. We want to give 25% of ticket sales to the competitors because without them, we can't run a show. We could easily run a show, like, hey guys, you want a chance to compete for a $2 medal? Yeah, well, you better make us a lot of money. Like, that's not what we're about. We want to promote local businesses. We want to help people make money so that they can train. People that like Isaac and Declan, the ones that have like committed their lives to Jujitsu. there's lots of blue belts and purple belts that are in that similar situation. Like, given the right financial backing or the opportunity to make money when they compete, we want to create that. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we also want to get people like Jake Matthews that are interested in coming down. You know, that we've got like, uh, um, there's a uh, world champion that's up in Queensland at the moment. Uh, he's he, basically he said yes to a four man tournament, which was going to happen at the end of this year on Grapple Sport 2, but obviously with COVID preventing that from happening. Mm. But we do have bigger names for the second card yeah. as well. So, but we just got to get past
0: this, which we all will. Yeah. Um, will. And yeah, but the wheel turns <coughs> and everything comes back around. If you. What you're describing is fantastic because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in an archetype for a successful sport. If you take any successful sport, possibly even Olympic established sports, we're talking about soccer, swimming, gymnastics, whatever it is. In order for that to be successful, you need to have a good, strong focus on grassroots development. So you need to have low pressure amateur junior development systems in place, whether they be local low pressure competitions, mm or mid-tier state level competitions right and you need a scale up so you need both ends of the spectrum you need grassroots and elite and everything in between so that these athletes have an opportunity to progress and step up these runs because without both of those tiers without an entry level and an elite level there's nothing to walk into and there's nothing to progress to so having these things around like agc invitational grappling sport The idea of a possibility of making a living out of jiu-jitsu, out of grappling or reaching a new height, and new level, gives people an incentive to evolve and progress. And we're talking about Craig Jones and guys like Isaac, guys like Declan, guys like Lachlan Conway and guys like Lachlan Warren, right? So they definitely represent South Australia and they represent, uh, maybe they represent an academy, but not so much. They represent themselves. And what they really do is they represent a new idea behind jiu-jitsu and grappling. Let's have a look at what's happening right now with Lachlan Conway and M16. Yeah. With Beachside and M16. Okay, so you've got Taylor Ford there running wrestling. You've got Adam Jones running grappling. You've got Declan Moody running grappling there. You've got uh, Lachlan Warren's going to be joining. Okay, Lachlan Conway at Beachside growing a real hub of high-level jiu-jitsu have now linked up. That unit there will be the absolute St. Kilda of grappling and jiu-jitsu <clears throat> in this state moving forward. That hub that we were talking about. And it's come about because all of them have the knowledge and understanding, every individual I just mentioned, that cross-training is incredibly important. The truth behind having no ego is the ability to open your doors with no consequences, right? Because they see, they are a product of the best parts of that system coming to fruition. They understand intrinsically that that's where true evolution and progress comes from. They're not so concerned with their own brand and personal image. They're concerned with the progression of the sport because that's what's brought them to prominence, you know? And that's what's happening right now. And it's so cool that trinity mma gets to be a part of that via yourself who spearheaded the initiative of advanced open nights on wednesday and they've become a massive part even though i can't do them because i'm (laughs) working you know they've become a massive part of endearing us to the community and making sure that we're a part of that evolution from a jiu-jitsu perspective yes we are an mma-based academy but we don't want to shun or hide away from the elements and aspects which comprise mma especially the ones that have such a strong community base so You've traveled the world and you've brought that back with you. So all those names I mentioned, you're one of those names as well because you've brought the understanding of that ethos with you and spearheaded it within our academy. Yeah. It's awesome to see that. And we're going to reap the benefits of it. Everyone around us is going to reap the benefits of it. I I couldn't... You know, it's funny because I'll talk about Lachlan Conway just quickly because we fought each other in the very first state championships of jiu-jitsu in the state... Uh, In the final, all right, and I won't talk about who who won or lost, but to see what he's been able to achieve now, he's also traveled the world, lived in India, uh, was you know one of the head coaches of an MMA program over there, took those life experiences with him, had some setbacks in terms of injury, and he's now as well, you know, from 2008 to now, where he's spearheading these new initiatives on a state level. It's pretty special to see, man. These are guys that we grew up with. These are guys that back in the day were as as awkward and as weird as we were. You know what I mean? Like, you talk about me being a skater kid trying to land kickflips outside the academy. (laughs) He's the same. And now we're heads of an academy Mm -hmm. and we're actually at the forefront of evolving the art and evolving the sport. And so are you. It's pretty amazing Like when you think of it in those timelines. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, just... With the whole beachside M16, like uh, guys at uh, M16, what they're doing with the M16 open at the yeah. moment, like they they are up there with obviously being one of those gyms that are so open to cross training, mm. and like I think my initial um, introduction to cross training would have to be at the Web. Yeah, um, with Dylan Opitz man. Like we've talked he, about this before. Oh, that was the initial hub in for me. Samson. That just like that gives me legit yeah, chills just thinking about going there and like Dylan playing because I'm happy. Like <laughs> that's like oh like the little videos <laughs> and the web like um the challenge that mm. they used to run. They were the first. He was legit the first one to do yeah, anything like yeah. it. it was amazing. And obviously, so like, ahead of his time. Yeah, and obviously, like Dylan, you know, has uh, recently goes black belt, so Another congratulations, congratulations Dylan. Dylan. Oh my uh, god, so well deserved. So ridiculous. overdue. Him like, man, Tom, like <laughs> oh my god, so
0: overdue it's great. Tom, Jesse Hughes and Dylan like within two days of each other got their nuts to see Um, But
1: I think without that initiative at the web like I don't think I would have really been introduced to the um, Positivity that comes from cross training and for me like I'm a shift worker. I'm a youth worker So my uh, schedule isn't nine to five at the moment. It's weekends. It's evenings, Sometimes Mm. it's early start so I don't always have that opportunity to train and I think that's why I wanted to travel. So like I went to South Africa, I went to Europe, I went to America, I went to Asia, I went to all these different gyms and the schedules, the classes, the instructors, like the rules, there were so many gyms that like I brought so many like things back that I wanted to have for myself because I missed it and mm. I longed for that experience. Yeah, and that's such other, a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and then there's these other things that like, okay, like I don't specifically agree with this. And I don't mm. specifically agree with that. And I mean, there's things in the traditional Gracie Jiu Jitsu that I don't specifically see benefits to, but obviously they have their purpose and obviously traditional wise, traditional martial arts, in my view, like they, you know it's great to keep that but i love the idea of you know the newer styles of systems so like obviously like i've been training for 10 years so i've seen the themes like it was the baseball bat jokes and then it was like the the guillotines and then it was like the twisters and then suddenly like 10th planet started blowing up in australia as well um And obviously like Frank Barker in Melbourne has been doing that for years now. And now that we have uh, 10th Planet here in Adelaide, like the guys are coming in and they they have great competitors entering into AGC, entering into like M16 open. And I go down and train with Daniel, like whenever I get a chance to, Um, and the community that like he's created down there, if I had never got the opportunity to cross train, I wouldn't have seen that. And for me, like after traveling for so long, coming back, Training and where I trained at and like developing my current style and um, and then coming back to Trinity Like the first thing that you basically said was the doors are open you come in and you train if and then you Awarded me the opportunity to um, you know run like the midday Wednesday class Which um, for you at that time were like you know, not that many people were attending and then I started taking 6 a.m classes yeah. because my st- uh, work that was basically the only time and I started to grow a 6 a.m. crew um, and then with the introduction of the advanced open mat, I just wanted everybody to come mm. and train together. Um, I think eight different gyms is the most that I've had at one yeah. Wednesday morning session. And, I mean, we've had, we've had black belts from down south. We've had uh, Jeremy Skinner's come in. Yeah. Like, we've had people that have come and visited from other states where they may not have had the opportunity to train with some of those people, but, like, if there's an opportunity to present it and your coach allows it, I would highly recommend to cross train, mm-hmm. even if it's an open mat, or especially especially if you travel interstate yeah. or overseas. Message a gym, ask if they yeah. have a visitor's policy, pay the open mat fee, pay the fee to come and do a class. Just experience training at a different gym. Because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of us, we start like, jiu-jitsu near me into Google and stuff like that like, you know, and like okay this place is close so obviously yeah. that's going to be the first one and I mean it's great that obviously people do that and to start jiu-jitsu is such a like hard thing mm. to do for a lot of people it's even harder to come back and continue and obviously like it takes a toll on our bodies as you know and I know and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have injured something or they yeah. wake up sore the next day um, but the opportunity to cross train for me it's about meeting new people it's about having a good time. And for me, the Wednesday morning is something that I look forward to so much because I I don't know always who's going to rock up. Mm. I mean, now we have obviously like a check-in, so I sort of have emails that notify who's coming. But if, like say for example, Sean D'Ambrosio rocks in or Jesse, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like,
0: party. Yeah, you're happy to and see it's, these people. It, it's good. Because again, you've known them for so long yeah. and it all comes back around. And I constantly get reminded you know, of, of how cool... It is when jiu-jitsu provides those experiences for you and what you're describing is you've essentially had a hand now in one of the most inspirational parts of jiu-jitsu, which is having a hand in growing a community, in cultivating an environment and community for people to come to. We started those early morning classes, they started in a grassroots level and then they grow. Yeah that feeling of doing that and being the one who's in charge of that or being the one who's responsible for that, that's a very motivating and inspirational feeling. It's huge. I mean, we look back like 10 years ago, it was very much like gym
1: v. gym v. gym Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like, I mean, I don't think I would have ever really had an opportunity to, say, for example, um, train uh, until I sort of went to the web. Like, I wouldn't have had a chance to train with the guys I would deal with. I mean, even though they're associated to the same gym as me, like, I was always like, okay, this schedule, this time, this is where I train. But then suddenly when it's like, okay, I have a day off and this gym has a session, it's an open man, mm-hmm. there's nothing on at my gym, maybe I'll just go check in. Maybe yeah. I'll message, maybe I'll ask my instructor because obviously, like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing right by my gym. Um, and then it's like, yeah, cool. Go train. You know, mm. Go meet some people. Um, so uh, open open invite uh, <laughs> for, uh, any blue belts in a well. Let's say ten AM, Trinity MMA. Uh, um, it, it's
0: funny, like I gym v gym. It's still it's still happen. I mean, it has to happen. Yeah. You know, you're proud of where you train, but within that pride comes under- comes understanding of <laughs> what you what you're actually proud of. So there is a benefit to having a home. Oh, 100%. Right? But there's a much greater benefit to having a home that supports you, yeah. right? And where you really feel the support and trust and confidence of those people around you. If I know, if I believe in what I'm saying and my techniques, then I'll never be afraid mm. if you go and train somewhere else yeah. and learn from somewhere else. Like, will I get upset if you watch a YouTube video? <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, the logic isn't sound, yeah. you know what I mean? If, if I was worried that I was going to lose clients or lose business or lose students or lose friends because I'm inferior, yeah, I'd be shit scared that people weren't going to come back to my academy. But Leo was the first one who said it to me, man. He's like, you're a good teacher. You're you're a good coach. The way you speak to people, the way you make them feel, the way you set out sessions and the techniques that you're teaching, it's good, man. So why would we ever be afraid if someone went somewhere else that they weren't going to come back? Of course they're going to come back. And a great advantage of having a coach who's not an instructor. Like an instructor will show you techniques that they do that, that you might be able to replicate. A coach will guide you to being the best version of yourself that you can be. Uh, and that means techniques outside of their own personal scope, right? Um, so a coach can help you become better because you keep in touch with them. You keep that base level contact. I know that I'm going to see you every Thursday, every Friday, every Wednesday, right? And I can see how your jiu-jitsu is going you pick up a technique from here you pick up a technique from there you have an experience rolling at an open map you're going to bring it back home and we're going to forge it into something that's really relevant for you because I have the advantage as your coach to see your development in long form so both sides of that coin are really really relevant as long as the both sides of the coin exist if it's one sided like if you go to every open map but never come to class or go to every class but never do an open map then you're going to You're cutting yourself off from the best possible progression. I mean, open mats obviously like to
1: roll, to have fun, but you you don't always learn a technique that you would from, like, say for example, our Thursday night. Like, our Thursday night, it's very, like, it's technique-focused, and then we roll, of course. But if I was just to roll, you know, I wouldn't obviously just get the technique that I need to progress. Mm. And I think the way that I see uh open mats and training is very similar to how I see like a job for example. Mm. If I go to work every day and I'm happy, I'm going to stay at that job. Yeah. If I go to work every day and I'm miserable, chances yeah. are I'm going to look for another job. Yeah. Like if you create a culture in a jiu-jitsu gym like here at Trinity, um like they're going to keep coming back because they're happy. And I think for me like uh, I actually just uh, heard a quote the other day. and it, I may be wrong in saying this, but it was like uh hate brought me to jujitsu, but love made me stay <laughs> and i think that's wonderful because that's i mean man. a lot of people come and they're like man like i was bullied or like i'm so angry and i just need to take my frustration out i'm gonna go punch and choke someone and it's like mm-hmm. oh, it's, you do that but then suddenly you know you see those memes it's like you know before jiu-jitsu and then mm-hmm. after jujitsu, like so loving and caring and smiling and stuff but like for me when i leave jujitsu, like yes i'm tired yes i'm maybe sore um, i probably got beat up but damn it was a good time like mm-hmm. I saw some of the people that I've seen for like 10 years yeah or I met somebody new and I did something like I you know helped them with the warm-up or I helped them with the technique yeah. um and obviously once again like you know the opportunity that you've presented me to become a coach here is a big thing for me as well because I really share no I'll be okay I really I had one this morning I'm baby.
0: Sorry, um, people are retarded. Can, they can't read. I've got a big sign on the door saying "Podcast in process," and people don't want to read it. They just want to be like. I want to listen now. I want to listen right
1: now. I need to hear what he's saying. I need to be in the room. I want to get on the podcast. <laughs> um, so I have no idea what I'm saying. But um, but yeah, like for me, uh, the jiu-jitsu uh, coming in and being a coach, it's able the ability to share my knowledge. Um, and the jiu-jitsu now compared to 10 years ago completely different mm. like if you watched a jiu-jitsu instructional from uh, 1996 to one that BJJ fanatics released <laughs> last year You're gonna see different jiu-jitsu, but you know,
0: it's interesting like as I said right at the beginning the first submission I ever learned was an inside heel hook It's insane. it's uh, and it was Frank Shamrock. That's nuts. You know what I mean? Like absolutely insane. and because Catch wrestling and pancreas and stuff like that, that was what I was watching initially yeah. because I came from Muay Thai and then wrestling, right? So the idea of submissions for me was you choke someone or you take their feet, right? Yeah. Because they're the opposing extremities. So if I can't get your neck, well, I'm going to get to your feet. You're going to give me one or the other. And that's a pretty good prevailing overall thought yeah. process mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, it's just interesting that that was the... F- because I, it was so far outside of the jiu-jitsu scope at that time. Yeah. I came to jiu-jitsu later. Mm. And it gave me a lot. It gave me humility. It was the first time that I realized you could be humble and be good, at the same time because I hadn't had that experience yet. And it's funny with footlocks as well. Do you know the history of uh, the Fada organization? The opposing so there was Gracie and then there was Fada. Okay, there's two different gyms. uh, No, no, still jiu jitsu. Okay, still the divergence of jiu jitsu in the divergence in the emergence of of jiu jitsu in Brazil. Right, so. They ended up calling them sapatero, okay. The fada gym, which means shoemaker. Okay, because like the they had like a, a very friendly challenge tournament in-house, and the fada gym just kept footlocking them and footlocking, and they beat the Gracie Gym really convincingly. Yeah. Right? But that was a good thing. Okay? The next time they had uh, an in-house tournament the Gracies had caught up ah, okay. but they were still pissed yeah, <laughs> at yeah. all the footlocks yeah. so every time one of the father students went for a footlock ah, like, they just called him a shoemaker you know yeah, what right. I mean okay. but it's, cool. it's interesting like there's so many little stories like that behind so I love
1: them. that because like for me it's like you're looking at uh, like IBJJF like obviously like leg locks were seen as frowned upon so for me that makes sense why they banned them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like, like oh no 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 that, that technique's terrible we're not going to allow that yeah. um, but... I mean
0: I can also see why didn't set in line with the fundamental concepts of Jiu-Jitsu that they had established, i.e. position hierarchy and dominance Mm. leading to a submission because they didn't have the sophistication behind the leg lock game to establish control points before securing a submission in in the sense of a leg lock. So even something as simple as a basic leg, you know, grapevine or outside ashi or whatever, Mm. it's still a relatively basic or fundamental way to look at a leg entanglement the more sophisticated inside and outside and now we're playing on feet to hips now we're playing 50 50 now we're playing saddle what the what that uh, nomenclature is the naming the control positions that lead to foot blocks. not necessarily just going for a heel hook going for a foot lock and not securing control and then it becomes about hierarchy of the footlock system as well based on any position we're in like this I hate to bring up instances from our own rolling, but like if you're going for a straight footlock on me, yeah, and I'm fishing for an inside heel hook on you, even if you secure a straight footlock okay. first, I'm not going to tap. It's like a it's like a chess move or a checkers yeah, move. Yeah. If I let go, if I take away my hands and configuration to deal with the threat that you're you're presenting me, which is at a lower food chain, you know, submission, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lower hierarchy submission. I know that if I actually committed the same force, instead of grabbing at your hands, if I committed the same level of attention and force to actually splitting and securing my inside heel hook, my inside heel hook can leapfrog the current configuration and I'll get the tap before you'll get the tap. And that's a new part of the game and how to invert to re-secure, when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, like when to realize a reconfiguration of the control position is necessary as well. Like the intricacies of... The new meta of jujitsu are exciting yeah they're exciting to people people want to learn them it's it's very very interesting in my opinion yeah
1: Yeah. and I mean I think I I remember someone trying to explain it it must have been like on an EBR countdown or something but someone was saying that basically they don't tap to straight ankle locks and you know obviously if someone's straight ankle locking them they go for a heel hook like you could probably bite through a straight ankle lock I mean maybe not Jordan Crispin's because Mm. he breaks shins basically (laughs) Um, but like you know you might be sore for like six weeks Mm. max but if you you like bite through a heel hook I mean that's like six months minimum probably Damage like with the amount of damage inside heel hooks could do, Um, and you know, I'm not like a 10 year veteran of leg locks and stuff. I think I've only been doing them for like maybe five years Mm -hmm. before that. Like, the only leg lock I did was my first class, it was a a bloody cast, except for for my experience when you got your brown belt and you were like, (laughs) Okay, well, I'm gonna ignore literally. 50% 50% of the human body and just like the <laughs> leg lock. So I think you went for like a phase where you just toe like knee barred me every single second. Um, and that was great because like, for me, it was like, okay, you know, I don't want to be one of those like brown belts that get their brown belt. And then suddenly like, okay, let's learn this because it's legal in my competition, mm-hmm. like um, equivalent now. So like, I think I started uh, probably like at purple belt, like you were a brown belt at the time. And for me, it was like, all right, I want to learn this now so that when I am a brown belt, I'm, comfortable in these positions. Yeah. And
0: for me, it was like, I'm now allowed to go back to what I was doing before. I remember being at the ABS ABS Academy doing valet tuto classes back in like 2007 and <laughs> eight, you know what I mean? Uh, with Benjamin Bay, who was oh, wow, running, classes, yeah, right? yeah. running a valet tuto class and I'm doing inside heel hooks <laughs> and he's like, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." I don't. but after a while he was like, yeah, I guess, I mean, if it works, it works. You know, it's valet tuto and yeah, it goes." Uh, there's some classic stories from that place, by the way. There's so many people went through there, like Mike Turner and Tom Crosby it's and nice. even Dylan Opitz and shit like that. There's people you wouldn't realize. It's like three years
1: before I even started. Insane. Um, but anyway, I, I love the fact that a lot of those guys are still pushing and yeah. they're still going. They're all yeah. black belts now. Like yeah. the People you just mentioned, including yourself, are obviously black belts. Benjamin
0: Pate, not, but that's okay. But, but the other people that you mentioned, yes. Well, you know what the deal is, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I mean, there's, there's different, like, yeah, you know, there's different people that have obviously like different journeys. We all have our journeys, yes. you know, some it's of the a people... a different path for everyone. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I don't think I would be where I am now if it wasn't for my traveling experiences if it wasn't for people like yourself being my first role and introducing yourself to me I mean one thing that I always do is if somebody walks in I introduce myself to them because it makes them feel welcome Mm -hmm. and I hope that other people take that um you know tomorrow or whenever they go back to the gym someone walks in introduce
0: yourself um Mm -hmm. because I mean treat people how you want to be treated yeah you never know when you first begin just how beneficial it's going to be for you in five six seven years time like taking those first steps are so much more important and you can possibly comprehend in the beginning there are people out there right now don't know what jujitsu is don't have a clue and they through some connection in their life choose to start choose to begin whatever brought them there will help them stay there, mm. but the people who are already there will be the greatest indicator of their progression and success. Yeah. Like, it is truly a community. Without the whole, there is nothing else. Yeah. And I, you touched on it briefly, very briefly before, but it was something you said that really struck me, is like, you were beginning to see less passion and less relevancy in the other parts of your life, and that's why you travel to try and bolster jiu-jitsu. And yeah. to be honest with you, what you've done now with the advent of grapple power, grapple sport, from bully to black belt, those are things, structures that you've set up for yourself to further your passion because these are, this is the part of your life that means the most to you and you wanna make it your whole life. You wanna make it the most meaningful pursuit in your life. So. Talk to me about grapple apparel. James Hunt, how it all came to be.
1: Yeah, so um, James uh, started training at another academy that I was at. Um, he came in and he, I think he maybe messaged me on Instagram or something like that. Like, hey man, I'm coming along and he knew Jordan Crispin and he came in and I partnered up with him. First day, what I do, introduce myself, you know, he doesn't have a partner, come with me. And um, yeah, we started training, um, started doing leg locks and stuff like that. Uh, James became fascinated about that, ignored 50% of jiu-jitsu <laughs> guard passing for five years um and then he got angry with me when I was like you need to pass he <laughs> gets <laughs> angry still still salty um but yeah then he um he he had he had basically I yeah, started up a, a an apparel company and I was like this is cool this is uh, I like the stuff because was it Harambe
0: like one of the first things well yeah that was
1: one of the things and I think that <laughs> that came from like us just like randomly like talking one night like we were like let's just do some cool stuff and then yeah. inside, obviously passing in Harambe we're like we need to commemorate this <laughs> so naturally we, we bought an image of Harambe we put it on the front and then we put
0: uh, Jits out for Harambe on the sleeve and uh and that blew up yeah, man uh, <laughs> blew up I'm the, I, you know, I was still to this day I see screenshots of people wearing that like there's all bit, across the world there's
1: a guy that has an instructional and the guy he's like demonstrating on he's wearing Harambe <laughs> Arashka and it's insane It must have me.
0: been so surreal it probably still is surreal I mean you've you guys have sponsored ambassadors and athletes yeah. across the, the globe with grapple yeah. apparel but it still must like absolutely blow your mind to see your apparel being worn International, Yeah, it's
1: yeah. wild. I mean, every like, time
0: you see a grapple of power, Rashi pop up somewhere, yeah, yeah. like what the hell?
1: Like people send me these links, like, you know, they send me these videos, the pictures and screenshots. Like when I got this video of this guy's instruction, I was like, holy cow, holy cow like people are going to watch this, people are going to see that. Mm-hmm. And obviously like we we decided to do a limited edition release of yeah. those. And I think that's what really helped because like we were like, this is limited edition, um, but we wanted to create more things. So we started to do like our uh, NWA, which is No Gee Without Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. We, we, we launched that at a competition and we sold out that day. and like we wanted to be different like we didn't want it to be like this ain't your grandmaster jiu-jitsu type of old school like ranked rash guards and stuff we wanted to put a spin on it and then we started delving into the world of like custom apparel for shoes and for me that was a huge thing because once again it came back to the community it Mm. allowed me to venture out to you know element jiu-jitsu, it allowed me to go down to South Coast it allowed me to go to Armour and Progressive and go to all these places that I know existed but never had the chance to visit so for me that really helped me once again Introduce myself and meet uh, Cross train Like Just become a part of the jiu-jitsu community yeah. I mean Yes we all You know train Yes we compete against each other Um But Like you know Just because we compete against each other Doesn't mean we can't be friendly We're all doing the same yeah. thing Yeah We all love the same thing We're in a small <laughs> thing Like we're in a small Sort of unique yeah. Niche sport That Obviously, people have their football and stuff like that. You know, they all go to games. They all wear the like matching shirts and stuff
0: like that. So that's what we wanted to create Dude, through. These actions, your actions, like creating grapple apparel and reaching out to me. This is what actually smashes negativity. <laughs> it smashes like people say politics is like a term that gets thrown around. I don't really see anyone like making true political moves to sabotage each nah. other. Like, it's just negativity. Yeah, it's it just. Uh, unnecessary negativity towards people who are doing the same thing you're doing and loving the same thing that you love and the actions of like creating a a homegrown apparel company that reaches out to many gyms and you know provides and that smashes through that negativity a whole lot and for me it it like
1: it sort of like touched home for that negativity. I mean, for me I see it somewhat as like borderline bullying, uh, mm. which was a huge thing for me. Um and hence the reason why like I'm starting what I'm starting with from bully to black belt. Yeah, and this
0: this is a thing that I wanted to ask you about because this is the newest venture for you yeah. and I think in time it will possibly prove to be the most event beneficial and the most meaningful. Uh, we've sure. talked yeah. about Grapple Apparel, we've talked about Grapple Sport before, but, yeah. and you're co-founder in those organizations, but you are the sole founder of this organization. So From Wooly to Blackbird is a youth organization. Please talk to me about it.
1: Yeah, so um, weirdly enough, uh, started like 2020, so this year. Um, it was pretty much March is when I really started thinking about this. Um, Coronavirus happened, Uh, lots of people were getting sick, people were dying, it started making its way to Australia. And I started feeling really, really bad one day. And I remember going to bed on Friday night, waking up the next day and I felt like I'd been like training for three, four hours the day before, but I hadn't, like I I was at work. And I woke up the next day, my whole body was sore. And as the day progressed, I started getting worse and worse and worse. So after I went home, I, I finished work, went home, Um, And then I was like, I think I need to go get a a COVID test. So I went and had the test, went immediately home uh, and I was sitting in my house for two days and I was thinking, what if I have this? Mm. What if this virus is inside me right now and I only have a small amount of time to live? Mm. And I thought to myself, what am I gonna leave behind? For me, I want to not only leave memories with people so that they can remember me but I want to leave something that makes an impact and for at least ten years of my life went from primary school through to high school I was not the popular kid I was I I moved around I went to different schools I, I was bullied and I tried my hardest to obviously not be in that situation but it just and I was just that awkward kid I was that chubby teenager Like, and for me starting Jiu Jitsu it gave me confidence it, it gave me motivation it made me meet some of the most wonderful people I've met from all around the world um, so starting from bully to black belt my objective is to introduce Jiu Jitsu at a young age to the youth starting in South Australia and then across Australia and who knows from there but my objective right now is to talk about bullying that more than it is currently talked about yeah. I want kids to be able to feel confident and be proud and held their head up high then also to be able to speak up about bullying, mm. for me, my mum didn't know I was being bullied for like 3 years mm. it came to the point where they started not only attacking me at school but then going to my house, mm. so then my mum was like why is this happening, why is this happening and I just broke down and cried I was like this is happening because of this Mm -hmm. and kids and even adults I mean there's lots of men that are struggling with lots of things out there there's lots of teenagers that are going through this awkward phase of like peer pressure but even kids as young as five and six like I'm a juniors coach here at Trinity and I've had kids that are five come in and tell me that like their parents come in and tell me they're being bullied you know, maybe it's because a little bit chubby or something, or maybe just because they don't have the fanciest gadgets and stuff. And I've got also we've had a kid in here, um hey, like he's eleven or twelve and he was a bully. Mm. And I'm currently putting together a video package to explain a little bit more. But I spoke to his mum and he was she was like, Look, I need to pull him out of training and I was like, Oh, can I ask why? And she said like he's mixing with the wrong kids He's been bullying his younger brother and he's been doing jiu-jitsu outside of the gym One of the rules that we have here is that you do jiu-jitsu on the mats where it's safe because we all can observe and pay attention So I asked her if she could call me she called me and I just explained to her I was like look, I'm obviously not gonna overstep my boundaries here But is it possible if you bring him into the academy on Monday? I just want to speak to him I just want to ask what's his view from where he sees what he's doing? Is he he fine with this? Does he see this is okay? Mm -hmm but I sent her this unedited video package of me talking about From Bullied to Black Belt. And funnily enough, he's in that video, because we had a training session here. We had um, Risk Take Films from Daly M16 come in, film the training session, and the kid was featured right at this point where I said that I was bullied as a kid, and there's a a little clip of him smiling. So his mum showed him that video, and he just started crying he immediately felt bad about what he was doing so he comes in on Monday I said let me talk to him before class but what I actually did was I waited and I spoke to him after class I wanted him to think on it a little bit more he knew that it was coming and after class he goes to make his way out he goes see you guys I said hey come in and stands in front of me looking very sheepishly and uh, I said I think we need to have a talk and he goes yeah he hangs his head a little bit low starts getting lower starts looking towards the ground and I said you're better than this Mm. and he starts getting teary and I just said him like you are better than what you're doing right now you are either mixing with the wrong kids or you're a little bit overconfident because of your training and I said we look up to you as coaches we look up to you as one of the higher ranked and even like more skilled kids but not only do we look up to you, we you got, got five, seven, eight, ten-year-olds that look up to you as well. Like, you're a role model to the younger kids here. But at the same time, you've been bullying other kids. You've been bullying your younger brother. So I said to him, I was like, if you're going to continue this, like, your mum's already said that you won't be able to train. And I said, do you want to train? He said, yes. Um, and I said, well, I need to see some change from Within a week, he'd stop talking to those kids at his school. He realised he was mixing with the wrong crowd. He stopped bullying his brother. Started having more respect for his mum and dad. Um, and when, I, you know, I look back and when I was his age, like I didn't care what my parents think. They were awkward. I was I was young. They were old. Like, I don't want that. But for me, introducing a kid to a martial arts, and I don't care if it's jiu-jitsu or if it's another one, but kids learn different things from martial arts than they do, say, for example, football or basketball. Yeah, or 100%. 100%. So for me the idea is that I want to unite the jujitsu community, I want to unite the martial arts community, and I want to find a way that I don't care if it costs the price of this delicious no clink no drink <laughs> coffee that I'm drinking right now things. I, I don't care if it's a dollar, like I don't care how much people like it want to contribute or even if it's literally just creating awareness. Yeah. But I want to be able to raise some funds and be able to allow gyms to offer a training program paid for buy from bully to black belt for low socioeconomic families or for kids that have been extremely bullied. Um, so there's a friend of ours, uh, French, she has a friend um, who has a daughter and her daughter ha- well, was bullied and had her teeth kicked in at a McDonald's just around the corner. Um, and she she lost confidence. So I offered to teach her um, jiu-jitsu with her mum for free for 12 months um, and after I initially said that, I mentioned it to Mike, one of the owners of Trinity MMA and he said, look, if you want to offer her a 12 month uh, training program here as well we'll happily arrange that because mm-hmm. what happened to her is extremely unfortunate and obviously that seeing that place that I train at that's that's wonderful, Like I want that and I can't be all across the, stra- the state or the country so that's why I want to get support from every gym, if possible, to reach out to me. Once I get launched, you guys do the promotion and advertisement. Like I'll, I'll provide some flyers and everything, but you guys know your community. I just want to do something to help the kids in your community, but I need support. I can do I can do it by myself, but
0: I can get more support from everybody yeah. else. So well, then you've just you've just highlighted the most important function of martial arts that it could, could possibly present regardless of any championship or elite level that we could try to get to. Breaking cycles of abuse and breaking cycles of bullying, because they are cycles, the abuser and the abusee. Uh, What martial arts teaches you, what it affords you, you afforded that child an opportunity to be a role model. You afford other youth the opportunity to gain confidence and grow within a community. You afforded another young girl the opportunity to repair Uh, a broken part of her personality that she had something taken away from her and now she can mend it and you're trying to raise awareness you're trying to get something off of the ground and i really hope that whoever listens to this supports you in that endeavor and as i said before i'm i can foresee that from bully to black belt will be your most meaningful and important endeavor that you've spearheaded so far so congratulations man let's do do it let's do it i'm excited All right, um, we're right at the end now, man. So we've got to get these thank yous underway. So I'm going to jump in. Thank you, Dan Dwyer. Thank you very much for bringing this personality to our academy. Thank you so much for uh, just being that hub, being that hub of growth for our community and making sure that you do it with positivity. And when I first started to afford you opportunities to run classes, you were surprised. We should never be surprised at the fact that someone like myself sees value in what you have to bring to the table. I want you in these positions. I want you as a role model, and I want you for a reason, and I want you to take that with you. The other thank you that I have is to Avery Clements because I spoke to her on this podcast, and I mentioned to her that, that was there was a before Dan... Before Avery Dan and an after Avery Dan, and those two Dan's are very different. And the Dan that I'm seeing in front of me today is a direct result of her input as well. So thank you very much, Avery, for delivering <laughs> us this Dan wire. And you've got a minute and fifteen seconds, two minutes and okay, fifteen cool. seconds. So a thank you. Obviously, a huge <laughs> shout out
1: to Avery. Uh, I don't think I would believe in myself enough uh, if it weren't for her. So um, yeah, obviously, uh, she's uh, she's some stability in my life, which I definitely <laughs> definitely need. Um, Shout out to, uh, and a big thank you, not only to my first uh, coach, but any other coach that I've trained at in Adelaide, but also throughout the world. Um, a big big thank you to the Jiu-Jitsu community, for those that attend my Advanced Open mat, uh, for those that support any of the adventures that I have, um, a huge thank you to yourself and obviously Trinity MMA. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like... Jiu-jitsu is wonderful, and I think that if we all be a little bit more positive, uh, it could be even better.
0: Yeah, and we all have to partake in that. We take steps to do that, and let's let's follow in each other's footsteps to make sure that we smash out that negativity and uh, grow and evolve together. Because what we have, we are we are literally seated right in the driver's seat to drive evolution and progression of our art forward, and that's what we want to achieve. So uh, with that, you, you know what the deal is, man. You're going to get your black belt when you can heal hook please, So <laughs> Can we roll now? Is it yeah. like- <laughs> <laughs> when that actually happens, I'll grade you on the spot, okay? Thank, <laughs> no you. Worry. Thank, you. thank you so much, Dan. And thank you everyone out there for listening. Please stay tuned because we're going to be back same bad time, same bad channel for all the bat fans out there.